Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, my name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are kings and queens. Crafting an album that defines a decade isn't an easy thing to do, but Radiohead most definitely raised the bar for all modern rock bands when they released OK Computer in 1997. The band had worked up to that wildly creative period over two previous albums, starting as a more straight-ahead British band before evolving into something wholly new. Eventually, it seems that Radiohead got bored with being Radiohead and completely cast away their guitar-driven origins and focused on experimental music. But what if OK Computer was the starting point for a band that never lost its romance with the guitar? Los Angeles's We Are Kings and Queens wear their Radiohead influence proudly, and they've got the atmospheric songs and musical chops to live up to the inevitable comparisons. Guitarist Benjamin Hancock has the prerequisite colossal pedal board that is essential for conjuring otherworldly soundscapes, and he uses it with a deft touch. The band's hypnotic drums and bass provide the perfect rhythmic counterpoint to vocalist Jonathan Mahan's emotional tenor. We Are Kings and Queens know the value of juxtaposing a brooding melody with the roar of a dynamic and anthemic arrangement, and the band has the rare mixture of courage and talent to create music that is at once beautiful and powerful. Welcome to Independence Day, We Are Kings and Queens. Hey guys, hey. how are you? Howdy. Hey, great. Happy, uh, happy, happy Monday. We're taping on a Monday today. It's a beautiful day. Let's introduce everyone so we know who uh, folks who are keeping score at home know who we're dealing with here. Let's start on my right, and this is uh, what do we, would you call yourself the leader of the band? You're the singer, lead singer, yeah, lead singer. Okay, and this is Jonathan Mahan, correct? That's it. Say hello, Jonathan. Hey guys. All right. Next on bass, we have Vincenzo Maranca. Hi. I'm Obviously Vincenzo. from Indiana. Yes. Uh, on drums, Andrew Smith. Say hello, Andrew. Hello. And of course, Benjamin Hancock on guitar. Say hey. Hey, hey. Thanks, guys. Again, good to see you. So you guys are kind of, style is a funny thing, because I feel like we're in an era where we are sub, 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 sub genre to death. Like, yeah, there's like every, every, every type of rock has to have like four modifiers before it. You know, we're indie, mayonnaise, dream, shoegaze, pop, rock, whatever. If someone were to ask you, like, you know, your aunt, you're home for Christmas. What kind of, you know, what kind of band do you have? What would you tell them? Alternative. Just straight up alternative? I think so, yeah. Okay. All the, all the bands that we kind of aspire to get to that level, they're all classed under, well, Britpop and alternative. Okay. We're not really Britpop. So. so then define for me what's alternative. They say, okay, well, what's alternative? Well, that's kind of, that's, I don't know, it's kind of tough. It's a pretty, pretty big umbrella. Right. I'd say like the Killers alternative, Cigarose okay. was alternative. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. a pretty wide. Yeah, alternative became a thing. I don't know. I don't know how old you guys are, but in the '90s when it first kickstarted, like the late '80s, early '90s, alternative was a, a genre where you would find, like, of course, like U2 and REM were the like the big mans in the genre at the time. But then it was everybody: Elvis Costello, Cowboy Junkies. Whether they were quiet, whether they were loud, it was just a catch-all for anything that wasn't like straight up rock. Straight up pop, R and B, country. Like we hadn't subgenred yet. Yeah. You know, it was a different kind of thing. But then over a while it kind of became like Bush <laughs> was the band that was alternative. Right. You know, Sound and now Garden. it's kind of eased off and kind of it's kind of just you know, diffused a little bit more. Well it's tough when you say rock because people automatic people automatically assume rock is either A C D C classic rock or hard rock. Right. And so you can't really say rock because it's just 
people get the wrong impression. Yeah. But sonically speaking, you know, you guys are, I would say you're, I mean, granted, we'd, we're going to do some acoustic-y or like more stripped-down versions of what your sound normally is, but I did listen to some stuff. I mean, you guys aren't full-on like attack mode rock. You know what I mean? So when you say alternative, like you, you don't sound like a Bush aggressive type band to me. I mean, I'm sure this comes up all the time. I get a Radiohead kind of feel. I get mm-hmm. a Coldplay kind of feel. You know, the songs are dreamier. There's a little more space. They're very ethereal. Um, you know, and whose idea was that? Like, who? Where does that come from? Was that something that happened when you all played together and it just happened that way, or was it a vision? Like someone set out to say, "I want to make a band that sounds like X or Y or Z." Well, I personally tend towards darker stuff. And uh, Benjamin and I definitely, uh, the bass player from Counting Crows called us the bed of darkness. And we kind of just exist in that. And so just, I think naturally the way we play, the things we're drawn towards are yeah. minor or kind of haunting. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, as I was listening to the music, you know, I, this, is, I hope this doesn't sound as, as a derogatory term, but I guess it sounds moody. Yeah. yeah, to me, but in a in a cool, creative way. Like I really like what you guys do. It's yeah. interesting. Like Radiohead for me keeps coming up right away. That's the first thing I thought of. But I love Radiohead, and you're also doing Coldplay's kind of stopped doing this too. Like radio, like Coldplay started being Radiohead when Radiohead didn't want to be Radiohead anymore. Right. Like they started doing electronic music and different, more experimental stuff. So like they left that on the table. Like a lot of sonic space for bands to go in and populate that. And I think you guys do that too. Thanks. It's cool. That's I like great. it. Uh, let's play a little bit of it. You've got this brand new EP. It is called, tell me what it's called. I've got it here. Rise and Fall. Rise and Fall, of course. And it's a four song EP, five song EP? Five song. Okay. So that's, EPs are funny. They can be, I've heard some people do like seven song EPs. It doesn't make any sense. I guess there are no rules. That's weird. Do whatever you want to do. Anyway, my guest tonight on Independence Day, the band We Are Kings and Queens. They're a Los Angeles based four piece. They've got a brand new EP out called Rise and Fall. You can pick that up on your website. iTunes. All Amazon, these spots. All, all, all okay, the cool. cool. Yeah. This is the band We Are Kings and Queens here on Independence Day with the track Decide.
name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. I come to you every Wednesday night at indepthday.com, bringing you some of my favorite bands from around the country and around the world. These guys are from Los Angeles. They are called We Are Kings and Queens. Dig these quite a bit. If you like Radiohead, if you like Coldplay, if you like bands who are somewhat moody but still electrified, you should definitely check these guys out. Wearekingsandqueens.com is where you can find them. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash wearekingsandqueensmusic. And while we're talking about websites, on the break there, we were talking a little bit about you know different you know Pandora and different streaming services and how they pay you. So are you seeing revenue from streaming? It's such a, it's minuscule. It's a, really just not even worth mentioning. Yeah. Pocket change. A lot of people, I mean, that's something that's, it's becoming a bigger, it's becoming a big issue because the people who own copyrights for music aren't really being compensated like they once were. And it wasn't a great living to begin with for a lot of people. I mean, everybody thinks that everyone's got Michael Jackson money in the music business or ACDC money. Like they see the buses and the limousines and all that kind of stuff. But it's for most musicians, it's much more workaday situation. It's, it's not that glamorous. Yeah. I, I recently read an article where they said they stopped paying artists pre- I think it was 1940 or 1930. So like all of the music that everyone built off of to even get us to where we are, they just completely don't pay the artists anymore. They still play their music. They just don't pay them. Yeah. I mean, public domain stuff does enter public domain at one point. hundred years, right? Yeah. It's it's a long time. I don't know the exact figure, but then that may very well may be it. But at one point it reaches public domain and now that's reasonable. I I get it. But, you know, now we've had recorded music for over a hundred years now or so, uh, right about, and we're getting to the point where people are still alive. You know, what, who's to say that the, your heirs, your son, your daughters, you know, don't, shouldn't own the rights to your music. Warren Buffett chose to not give his kids money. Sting was just in the news recently saying that he, that his kids weren't going to get his money, but that's a choice. You know, shouldn't that be yours? It's like a family heir. If you own Walmart, Sam Walton's kids certainly did just fine. Anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely on the side of the musicians for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just played a show recently, and I, I feel bad for chiding the audience. But I was like, man, go buy music. Even if you don't buy mine, there are like five bands on the bill tonight. Go buy somebody's album. You know, you'd, nobody thinks twice about dropping five, six, seven bucks on a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Buy some records. Buy some music, man. It's our livelihood. It's your livelihood. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So what... Who manages like the the social media and the because the internet is such a big thing for music now? Who manages that for you guys? We had someone, and um, now we're kind of trying to organically do it um, the four of us. Okay, so that it, it seems more spontaneous. Right, right. More like cuts. Yeah, it does allow. That's one thing that's great about the internet. I mean, it kind of impersonalizes things, but it also really personalizes things because you find you can find fans and they can interact with you directly. You know, hey Leroy, come to the show on Tuesday. I'll buy you a beer. You know, whereas before there was, I feel like there was a big wall. And we're yeah. t- we're trying to find the balance too of like. You you don't want to be the people that just walk around taking pictures of everything. Like I I don't think any of us are necessarily that naturally, and so it's been a real struggle for us to mentally make note like, hey, take a picture of this, mark this moment, put it on social media. You know, we're always just, you know, uh, me personally, I'm just living the moment and enjoying the right. moment. You know, it's like you see a, a beautiful view when you're out on a nature hike. And everyone just has to grab the picture, and it kind of yeah. arguably ruins, ruins the moment. The moment. Yeah. yeah, but it's necessary. It's a as a business. Yeah, you almost it's to the point where you can't not do it. You know, you you 
I guess, you know, people who are not doing it or people who could choose to not do it are people who are have, making enough revenue, have enough fans from other things. But even they're, they're in positions where they're smart enough to just pay someone to do it. Yeah. You know, Tom Petty, I'm sure, has got a couple people who just manages his online profile. But then you've got people who are kind of, they've, they've had some success. Jason Isbell's a guy, used to be in the drive-by truckers. He's extremely active on Twitter. You know, and he's got, I don't know, 40,000 followers or something like that. So he's always tweeting stuff. But it's a direct line to the fans in that regard. So it's, mm-hmm. it's funny how new technology pulls us forward at the same time that I, I feel like it, it kind of Im- it separates us, but it unites us at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I say this almost every show, man. You can use the power of technology for good or for evil. And you just choose to, I try to choose to use it for good. And to your point, um, you, like, you kind of have to do it. You know, so you so you had someone you were were you paying someone before? Yeah, we to do we, it? we tried to pay someone, and um, it just ended up being a hassle, really, and it was just more than we wanted to do. And so we made the decision to organically do it and just take pictures while we're out and about. Just mentally make a note for twenty minutes of your day yeah. to to do something, and and we're going to have to ramp that up. We were just on a show called Business Rockstars, and they just dug into us and said, hey, all the successful people are spending two or three hours a day on social media. Oh, my God. Hands down. You know, the, Akon was one of their mentors. I don't know if you know who Akon is. Mm-hmm. And he has like 54 million Twitter followers, and he said he spends three hours a day. Him personally, you know, he's got plenty of money. He could hire people out, but you have to. Yeah. It's just, it's a necessity. So it's tell me this, option. compared to how much time, I mean, how much time are you spending then as a band? Ooh. Not two to three hours a day. Not that no, much. Definitely. No, we can't say that much. I'd say half hour, maybe. Like yeah, to- I'd, I'd say collectively half hour to an hour a day. So yeah. then how do you delineate it though? Does like someone manage Facebook and someone manages the website or? We're not really great enough at it yet to have to delegate roles between people. Okay. I mean, there's just every day you kind of sit around and you think about what you've already put up and what's next to put up. Right. Like we don't, nobody wants to be the band that just keeps saying like, check us out, check us out, check right. us out, come to our show. But you know, there's gotta be a balance between that and just shouting out other bands that we really like. I mean, three of us live together and we'd sit around and just listen yeah. to records and listen yeah. to other people's guitar parts and draw, draw inspiration for that. So yeah. sometimes we post about that and sometimes just like normal everyday silly stupid things you know fans kind of want to see just live yeah. somewhat of a normal life it's not like we're just yeah people do want there's that kind of narcissistic voyeurism kind of thing that we've got going in our society now where like to your point again we feel like we have to document every single thing we do all day long look there's my tire i got a flat tire here's me taking a pic you know here's a video that i shot i put together while i was in the bathroom of me changing the tire of my car <laughs> yeah you know here's my girlfriend shooting a video of me shooting a video of me doing this and she put right. up put up a video too so you have to do it but like where do you draw that line between you know like is it go, is it, does it come to a point where it takes away from doing music is there a point where are you spending more time screwing around on social media to promote the music that you're not making because you're not writing you're not performing you're not rehearsing because you're on social media like at what point does it become a self-perpetuating bs generator i guess is yeah. what i'm wondering i guess it's a matter of quickly balance, yeah. 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 yeah i mean it's a matter of balance in terms of like if you constantly are on your phone and yeah. if you go out specifically with the purpose of just getting pictures of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So one more, one more nuts and bolts question and I want you guys to get to some music here. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
if if you're all kind of doing it, then do you all have access to the show's Facebook page then? So you can just all post stuff whenever you feel like it? Yeah, or does it get yeah. fun? Okay. We, we share access across okay. the board. So we have a shared email. We have a shared Facebook. Like okay. We're all administrators. We can all... It's it's all transparent on the okay. band side of things. Okay. Ned, but is there one person like when it comes to booking? Is there a booking contact? Is there... You know, once you get away from social media, is there someone that that funnels through? Or is there someone acting I as a manager? I Smitty is quickly becoming the... The um, operations manager, maybe yeah, you okay. could say. Like he's good at that yeah. stuff. Yeah. He has a business degree. Like he, he just seems to. You know, everyone's got their natural inclination, and that right. seems to be his natural okay. inclination. He can run the ship, which is nice. Okay. Yeah. Is he a benevolent dictator, or is he? Uh, or no? Dry sarcasm. Yeah. Very dry. Very <laughs> sarcastic. Yeah. But it all works out in the end. Yeah. But I've I've played in a handful of groups and. I've lived in a handful of different areas and I just have always kind of kept my contacts from different bands and I've kind of always been the person to take the initiative and if we're going on tour, I sit down and look at a town that we're going to and Yelp all the venues and email all of them and whoever gets back to me, you know, I just keep their info. So over the years, I've kind of yeah. built up a lot. Yeah, you build relationships over time. I can mm-hmm. say, hey, remember me from this other band? I'm in this new band. Yeah. Can we come through San Francisco and play a show? And, you know, people are, they appreciate that you remember them and yeah. that you shook their hands and they remember you. So it's just, it's like any other business. It's all relationships, you know? Yep. It's building relationships, man. It's what it comes down to. You can't be a jerk. If you're a jerk, you don't get asked back. If yeah. you trash the, you, you know, everybody. Be nice to everyone, yeah. You know, only Led Zeppelin can trash their hotel room and still yeah. get asked back because they can rent out the whole floor. You know, it's not yeah, like right. that for most working bands. I'll throw too. some TVs out of the window yeah. when I can afford to. It's, I mean, it's much <laughs> but less. It's, it's less impact now because they're flat screens. It's so much less <laughs> glamorous than it once was. The thing barely even falls. It's yeah. like lightweight. My buddy bought a TV the other day and I picked it up and it was like, whoop, holy crap, balsa wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. The band tonight, we are Kings and Queens, Los Angeles based band, Radiohead esque kind of thing. I will stop trying to use monikers to describe them and leave it up to them to describe to you by playing music what they sound like what's this first song going to be guys we're going to play the title track of the ep rise and fall all right we are kings and queens here on independence day let's rock with this rise and fall the strain i'm under Way down Nights I wonder If I let go Will I ever Make it back around And I'm so I'm never gonna fall I'm I'm tired of learning how to crawl This is life my daughters and sons 
sit back and watch me come under Now watch the rise and fall How it makes me who I am And I'm down to take it all, I can take it all If it makes me a better man You're part of it And maybe I was young Thinking I could escape the past And maybe I was wrong You're a part of it You're a part of it You're a part of it all You're a part of it, you're a part of it all And we're still young We're still young Rock and Roll, the band We Are Kings and Queens here on Independence Day. You can learn everything you need to know about Independence Day. Drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Also, please follow us on Twitter. I try to put my Twitter witticisms up there. We also, Twitter. well, I guess just simply say at Indep Day. You get the idea. You guys don't know we're Twitter. You're all smart people. Uh, the band tonight, we were just talking about social media with We Are Kings and Queens. Let's talk a little bit about music, actually, since you just played some music. 
Um, I kind of asked this before, but was this style a choice to make this specific kind of music? Or did you get together, like you said, three of you guys are roommates. Did you get together and then just organically, this is what happened? You know what I mean? Like some bands are created, like someone sets out to go, I want to make a prog rock band or I want to make a roots rock band. Let's get some bolo ties and do the outfit thing. Uh, which way was it for you guys? Probably a little bit of both. I definitely will not let things veer too far outside of the scope of what we want to do because we're all in agreement. We want to be a big band. We want to be a timeless rock band. And that's funny because we were talking about how rock you know, can be used early. a timeless alternative band, right. you know, but an iconic group and, uh, and you have to make certain choices. You really can't throw everything into the mix. You have to have big choruses and big melodies and counterpoint and all those things. So, um, there's a bit of that. And then there's also just, Hey, let's play some music and see what happens. Yeah. So who calls it out when it gets too much out of the range of what you're trying to do stylistically? Uh, Anybody? I get I get I get mad yeah. or frustrated. You're probably. like the guardian of the style. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think every band does need that, like someone who yeah, kind absolutely. of shepherds through what. The, I mean, everybody gets all high and mighty and precious about. Oh, we have a vision. We're going to do this and this and this. You know, they, I feel like you know it's better when you take don't take yourself seriously, but take your work seriously. Yeah. You know, if that makes any sense. Um, so it's good to have someone who's kind of the boss in terms of that. You know, like. Sometimes me as me, we tend to play a little dancey or like funky maybe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And he always kind of like put the brakes on us. Yeah. So he's he's pretty good at that. So let me ask you uh, this. I mean, are, between the bass and drummers, do we have any Rush fans in the band? Like every band I've ever played in, like the bass player and the drummer were always Rush fans. And it was always like, would you please, for the love of God, stop playing YYZ between yeah. every song. Yeah, no, this, this is Smitty here, the drummer. I respect Rush like crazy, but I just I do not want to listen to their music. No offense. It's, just, it's not really something like I want to sit down and enjoy. I don't. It's yeah. like too technical for me. There's too yeah. much mathematical. perfectness yeah. going on. I don't even know who Rush is. I'm Vincenzo, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Dude, you, you're going to be my bass player in my next band. Trying to find a bass yeah, player who amazing. doesn't know who Rush yeah. is is like a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so then who does who's the writing? Who's, who does the writing in the band? Is it a collaborative experience? Does someone like come up with a seed and bring it in and you work it out? Is it well, how complete are the ideas? Well, I'll, in terms of lyrics, this is Jonathan here. Um, in terms of lyrics... I would say that I do the lion's share of that, but I've really been trying to be open and it takes some time to be comfortable writing with a group. You know, it's hard enough to write a song with one person, let alone five. Yeah. There's another member that's not here, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. There's Sam. He, he had to work today. What so. does he play? <sighs> Weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he plays He plays guitar um, and he also plays keys. He plays specifically this little thing called the OP-1. It's a Swedish-made um, strange little keyboard that makes fantastic sounds. Okay. He's kind of a bad scientist. Okay, so he's like the edge. Yeah, well... 
Cool. The edge, but with a synth. He's like the edge. Well, Ed, the, the edge, edge plays that acid. stuff too. Like if yeah. you go see, you know, especially in the olden days, you'd see you too. And the guy, I mean, the guy plays everything in the studio. But then live, he, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. He's got foot pedals. Like he's got the bass pedals playing bass with his feet. He's playing guitar and he's looping stuff and echoing stuff. And then he's yeah. got keyboards. He's got the Yamaha CP70 electric keyboard yeah. up there. And then synths on top of that. And he's running sequences. And God, God only knows. In, 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 in that capacity, Sam is the edge. Okay. He loves toys. He loves to get weird. He loves to be scientific and twist knobs and yeah. all that stuff. If you guys could tour with any band right now, who would you want to tour with? Like, open, like say you get a big opening slot. You got the call. Who would that band be? Oh my God. Can we pick anyone? Anyone in the world. There's probably some discrepancy amongst band members. I'm going to go ahead and say Vincenzo would say Coldplay. Okay. Or Keen. Keen? Oh, Keen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? I think he would say I, My Morning Jacket. I would <laughs> say My Morning Jacket or Radiohead. Okay. I would say if they could get their act together, Oasis. Okay. I'd like to see him reunite, and if we could be on that tour, that'd be incredible. Okay. Benjamin? Um, yeah, probably most of the bands that have already been mentioned. Radiohead. Yeah. Uh, actually, Radiohead hasn't been mentioned. Yeah, it has. Yeah. 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 Okay, Radiohead, Coldplay, The Killers, Kings okay. of Leon. Kind of the big arena bands that are kind of really popular right now. Who has the taste in the band that's the farthest away from like that core group of like that kind of arty rock kind of thing? Like, Is anybody in here into Klezmer? Or is anybody in here into like old school jazz? Or is anybody into the different stuff that like doesn't make its way into this? I'd say it might be me. This is Andrew. Um, I grew up with a lot of jazz. I mean, Charles Mingus and Miles Davis. I grew up playing jazz drums, and I toured with jazz bands. And I don't know, I went through a jam band phase. I've been kind of all over the place. And I play in a folk rock alt-country group at the moment. So I think uh, as a drummer, I draw a lot of inspiration from a lot of different places. But I'm probably the most out there as yeah. to listening to music. Yeah. I mean, and for you, Jonathan, I mean, would any of that ever seep in at any point? It definitely, I think it does. In terms of what, it's weird because you have to, I think I, I have to draw a distinction. What I want for the group and for our, us is a certain style, a certain genre, a certain sound. But then what I'm open to and what I like would actually probably be pretty surprising to people. Okay. Because I can appreciate. Most metal just doesn't sit well with me personally, and I respect it for the energy and all the crazy stuff. But pretty much everything else I can find, and I'll even take that back. I like the halftime breaks in metal. Okay, I think those are always pretty fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I I like when they when they do songs in three. I'm a big fan yeah. of triple meter. I love waltzes in six eight and twelve eight and stuff like that. You know, there's not a ton of metal that's in three, but every now and again they do jigga 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 jigga. And I, I, for some reason, I just like triple meter. It's, it's, it's got a, a good cool cadence. Thing. It do it do, and you got a good beat and you can dance to it. Let's talk a little bit more. So about writing though, who bring? Is it? We yeah, never really answered that, that question. We never really answered that. Is it is it a collaborative kind of thing? Like who's who brings it's, it? You do the lyrics. It's becoming the most collaborative it's ever been. Okay. That's a good place when you get to that in a ben band. Ben will come in with a riff. He'll be like, oh, check out this riff for da-da-da-da. And then, you know, these guys will join in. And then I'll come in. Like, it's starting to... Smitty sent me uh, the whole song of just drums the other day, which is kind of bizarre. But, you know, everyone's starting to have these visions and these ideas. And they're bringing it to the table, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, if you can trust each other, that's the big thing. It's a big 
T, you know, trust with a capital T, because that's the thing people, again, they're very sensitive about. This is art we're talking about here. People might have an idea that's very, very, very close and near and dear to their heart. And when they bring it in, you know, someone might go, well, wait a minute, try this on top of that. And it might not fit your vision, but you have to have the courage and the trust to know that, well, maybe that guy's in my band because he's going to bring that in or that girl's in the band because they're going to bring that idea into the band Mm -hmm. and developing that level of trust. I mean, it seems like to me, you know, based on what we've got going on here today, at least you guys do have a good level of trust. Like, you know, you've got the right people doing the right things in this band so that you know that when you play that idea, like they're going to bring in something, a little Mingus or a little Coldplay or a little whatever is going to make it into your music and make it make it a whole that's different than you would have done on your own. You know, that's the dream. I don't want to write all the parts. Yeah, no one. You know, nobody wants that no one burden wants that. that they yeah. need to write. Paul Simon does. All this. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't say no one. There's yeah. something, someone for everything. Yeah, but it was interesting that John was just saying that I wrote a song. That's something I'd never really done, or I don't even know if I'd really thought of it before. But I just kind of sat down and started recording some stuff, and then I came up with something I liked, and I tweaked it and said like, "This could be a verse. This could be the intro." This can be a chorus, and then I just kind of mapped it out, and I recorded it, and I sent it to all them, and we've kind of turned that into half a song at the moment. Okay. So, and then Andrew, this is a question specifically for you as the drummer. Are you the type of drummer? Do you tinker with instruments too? Do you? Because like some drummers I know, like when they studied drums, and like a lot of guys were trained in college, they had to play mallets, mm-hmm. they had to play marimba or vibes or whatever, and like actually learn to improvise even on an instrument, which I thought made them you know a little it was easier to talk to the rest of the band they understood what people were about did you have training like that do you do music music other than i mean just drums sounds like a terrible thing to say right but do you do music on, as well as drums i i like to say yes i uh, i mean i can play some bass when i was younger i had to take piano lessons which at the time i hated i wish i'd kept doing it and done a lot more um and then i've I'd say I could probably play any percussion instrument that's ever been thrown at me. I I traveled around for a while and I studied some crazy drums in Africa. I took some drum lessons in India when I was traveling around there. So kind of everything pulls together. I mean, yeah, like you said, marimbas and xylophones and yeah. And he's going to be, he's playing keys in this next song. Oh, nice. Don't let him play it down. All right. Well, let's hear that song. Let's dive right in. All right. What's this next tune? uh, Well, it's going to be a, a unique interpretation of one of the tracks on the EP called The Sound. And why is it unique? It's in an entirely different meter. Yes, it's in 6-8. It's in 6-8 instead of 4-4. And uh, it's just acoustic guitar, voice, and a tiny keyboard. Right. Also, I wanted to add to that that this song, it's also our very first video. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So people can see that on the website? So so we also have a video for it. Which Yep, website or YouTube. Okay, very nice. All right, we are kings and queens once again on Independence Day. Looking forward to this. Oh, what a mess this bus I can't take it Pictures of you Tapping feet It's cold now you're gone You may be The hardest one To lose There must be A better place 
soul in sound Melody fell and marched in the streets sound Wondering if they're coming for me now Here we go again This fire Learn to take a blow or two Just add it on to the pie And I'll smile for you It's all inside Melody fell into patrol in the streets The sound Under the eyes of fear It's all I can think about So speak I don't My time is time So speak I don't My time So speak I don't My time Is time 
very intimate, very cool, very different version of, at least they're telling me it is, of their song. The sound, the band is We Are Kings and Queens. So very happy to have them on the show. You can check them out at wearekingsandqueens.com, facebook.com slash wearekingsandqueensmusic. And of course, please drop by indepthday.com to hear all of the hundred plus artists we've had on this show in the past three years. Very proud to bring you each and every one of them. And uh, there's some really great music, man. If you're bored at work, drop in there. Almost everything is up there to, for to streaming purposes. And we're also on the iTunes now, indepthday.com slash iTunes. You can check us out there. It's a little bit of a rigmarole. It doesn't look as pretty as the regular website, but all the content is there. Uh, so I've got all four of you guys here, four, four out of five, I should say. Yeah. Um, and I've got a specific question for Vincenzo here, yeah. bass player in this band. Yes. Uh, you are obviously not from Los Angeles. No. You are obviously not from the United States. No. I'm, I'm from Italy. Okay. And and then Sicily t- specifically. So tell me, you know, you've got to have a vastly different musical upbringing compared to the rest of everybody in the band. You know, tell me, oh, like, what, what was your musical upbringing? So like? that's why I didn't know Rush, actually, because I didn't... Um, I grew up listening to uh, more mainstream kind of music and also... To Italian, like I was exposed to Italian music, which is not very popular at all in the United States. Yeah. So I, I didn't. The only American artist that I remember listening to while I was growing up was Bruce Springsteen and Nirvana, mm-hmm. which actually a few days ago I met Dave Grohl. So like that was a really really big moment for me. That that, that was the only rock band that I listened to while I was yeah. growing up. So yeah, the, the musical influences are pretty different. And then, so were those the types of, of bands that inspired you to learn to play bass? Um, yes, U2 was actually U2 and Red Hot Chili Peppers were were the two bands that pushed me into playing guitar. Actually, and then I came to the United States. I went to Berkeley for guitar, and when I came to LA, I noticed that this city is there are a lot of guitar players in the city. And <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I noticed on Craigslist and um, and other websites where they look for musicians and stuff. A lot of bands were looking for bass players. So I figured, well, I have an old bass in the apartment right now. I just like pick it up and yeah. try and learn it. And I posted a video of me playing a Jamiro Quake cover, which is one of the artists that I had a huge influence on me and. These guys saw it and they liked it and they called me and that's how I joined the band. Okay. So the rest of you guys just kind of saw his musicality because there's less common ground in terms of bands that you were, that you listened to growing up. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to not, I mean, Nirvana is like the Beatles of the nineties sort of, you know, so there's that, it's a big one. But so then, so you, Craig, this is where you found him? Yeah. That's that's how we all came together. Actually. It's like a Craigslist love story. And then, but, and you're also roommates. Yeah. Man, it is like a Craigslist love story. Yeah. yeah. Man. And then Vincenzo, man, I got to give you like the gold star of the week, though, because that realization that you had about playing guitar versus playing other <laughs> instruments, I tell people constantly if you want a gig in this town, and even not in this town, if you want to be an active, paid Musician, player, play especially, bass, yeah. do not play guitar. Yeah. <laughs> play, play bass, play keyboards, play like a esoteric instrument, somewhat like uh, pedal steel. Play mandolin a little bit less in demand, but play those instruments that are the flavoring instruments. And now violins and strings in general are very in demand. Yeah, more than in the past. So like especially with this new um, 
now this coming back, this new kind of like country folk kind of mm-hmm. style, yeah. banjo and stuff. We like, I mean, after Mumford and Sons, yeah, it it feels like now it's going back to yeah. Come the roots Everybody wants music. to play four on the floor drum yeah, beats. Exactly. Everybody wants to play banjo. The Lumineers. My dad. <laughs> anyway, I don't. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to yes. dog on those guys. It's funny though because you know alt country is kind of a, a thing, mm-hmm. and it kind of ebbs and flows what's popular and what's not. Um, but you know, some people call Mumford and Sons those style of bands kind of alt country, and I think most of my friends in the alt country world are like, no, 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 no. They're doing something. I mean, I suppose it's acoustic instruments, but it's something different. I would say Mumford and Sons is not in the class with everybody else. Those guys are amazing. Yeah. Like, they put on a great performance, and they like I, I saw them in Coachella, and they just. You know, there's there's bands that feel it, and there's bands that do it, and they're a band that feels it, and just smashes performance like i'm yeah. i'm i'm a mumford and sons fan from okay. the live show i think it's pretty good and then you know after them there's this whole wave of kids trying to do that right. same style and they can replicate it and they can make some cool songs and it is what it is but i, I like yeah. i like mumford and sons i think they're pretty rad yeah like every band that strikes a big spark or starts a big fire you know has they're like the you know the 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 pinnacle of or not the pinnacle but that's like the band that starts the fire they're the spark right mm-hmm. you know at one point it was the beatles and at one point it was bing crosby right or you know cuz frank came after bing you know and there's guys like they store girls they start a thing and if it if it gets popular and people love it and they sell especially if they sell a bunch of records and it's popular then a lot of people start doing that kind of thing and, you know, so in like in the 70s, you had Zeppelin and the Eagles and Pink Floyd doing that. And then there were all the bands that kind of came after them that sounded kind of like them, influenced by them. 80s, you know, you had U2 and R.E.M. And then all the bands that kind of, and then hair metal bands. Because there was like, I feel like Van Halen kickstarted like a whole giant thing. There was hard rock music before Van Halen, but nobody played guitar like that before. Mm-hmm. So then you had the guy from White Lion, Vito Brada, I think was his name. Was like I mean, He was obviously like a Van Halen I don't say mean to say this meanly, but kind of a ripoff. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing, he's an amazing, amazing player. But it was like you could draw a direct through line between him and Eddie Van Halen and all those bands that kind of came after that. And then, you know, what did we have in the 90s? I don't know, Pearl Jam, I guess, and Nirvana were the bands. And then yeah. all the bands that kind of sounded like them. Soundgarden was Soundgarden, the big one, Smashing you know, Pumpkins. You know, and then now, like, I feel like I wonder, you know, people say, you know, there will never be a Beatles again, not just because of a band of talent like that, but there won't, there won't be bands that are uber large bands anymore. Like it can't, like they can't reach that level. It's all, it's all been kind of diffused sideways, because there are so many bands and so many different styles of bands and so many people because of the cheap proliferation of cheap technology. Everybody can record an album, you know. And in light of that, and to get off my rant on that, let's talk about recording this EP. For for example, did you guys do it pretty traditionally? Go into a studio, play live. Did you do it at home? Did you do any overdubbing at home? How did you go about doing it? So we have uh, our own studio. We're lucky enough to have one, and. Um so for this EP, it was primarily, I'd say, 95% of it tracked on a two-channel Apogee duet. and Drums uh, and everything. All of it. Yeah. Okay. I went old school. I went John Bonham on it. Kick mic, overhead mic. And then, of course, you could go back and use your two channels for toms and you right. know, whatever. But yeah, two, two at a time, the whole thing. So did you do the Mutt Lang thing where you just recorded like the kick and the snare? Because there's that Mutt Lang thing where he like builds stuff, like one instrument at a time. And Don Henley did that too, I remember once. You know, everybody knows who Don Henley is. Mm-hmm. He was doing records for one of his, or doing drums for one of his solo albums. And he wanted a real, he didn't want a boxy sound of a room at all. And he recorded it at home. So he was in his backyard doing like just snare. 
and I think somebody called the cops on him or something. Right. And he, even Don Henley, the cops show up at his house. Yeah, I, it was a bit of both, really. If you want a tight drum sound, then it's just. Or I, I, I personally like bleed because I think it adds character and it sounds, I don't know, just more real, less. Yeah. As long as you plan ahead for it, bleed for those people who don't know what we're talking about is when you, once upon a time when bands recorded, you know, big bands, what have you, everybody was in one room with one mic. They didn't even have stereo. And if you wanted the sax solo to be louder, you physically moved the saxophone player close to the one microphone in the room. And if you wanted more drums or whatever, you just literally move people around the room and arrange them like that. But then once multi-track recording allowed you to separate everything out track by track, every single instrument, even a drum set takes up 10 mics or more sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people can build albums by playing like Lenny Kravitz, the whole big thing. He's not the only guy who did it, but he played almost all the instruments on his first record. He just overdubbed himself over and over and over again. And that's what you guys seems like you must have done mm -hmm. if you're doing it with two tracks. So you did, was someone playing with Andrew then when he did the drum track or were you just totally in the wind recording what you perceived to be the song and then everybody built on top of that? So Andrew wasn't around at the time of ah, the okay. recording of... So whoever it was though. Yeah. Oh, it it was a bit of both. I mean, okay. it was it was anything you can think of. It was however we could get the sound, really. Okay. It was near mics, far mics, things going on. I mean, in some, I think in some of the tracks, there's like the track playing through the PA system, and then a guitar mic on the thing. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I I really wasn't too anal about bleed and about being perfect and. I don't know. To me, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But I think for our next go round, it's going to be in a proper studio. Yeah. I'd really like to record at Conway or East West. Yeah. Yeah. Bleed just means to finish that thought from before. Bleed just means that when you record things, you know, you're getting a little bit of the other instruments into different instruments, microphones. So if you're right. playing live and say you've got 10 mics up, you know, you're probably going to get some of the drums in the vocal mic. You're, yeah. You know, not so much guitar because it's super loud, but you're going to get that bleed across. And it just means that you, what you can't do with bleed is then it makes it more difficult to go back and overdub things. That's you what you're locked have to into. Be a good musician you have to be a good musician. It make, keeps you honest. I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. You know, every, every record I've ever done produced or my own records on my little label i trake the band in do whether it's my band anybody's band do it as live as possible put the amps in other rooms so if we have to overdub we can but then do everything as live as we can and then go build stuff on top of that because that retains as much of that feel that human feel yeah there's an energy there that you can't explain or you can't replicate yeah it's not in the box you know that's that's another thing maybe right. people would know what we're talking about but in the box means inside the computer right and out of the box means in real life and so you can't replicate real life in the box it just yeah. can't happen and and that's our goal as a band is we all want to be that good we want to be fleetwood mac good or we want to be you too good okay so and you know how do you get good right play a lot play a lot right so in light of that do you sucking. exactly <laughs> yeah. but do you, you know do you have a regular rehearsal schedule are you the type of band who rehearses every tuesday night at eight o'clock or are you a band because every bad man approaches that differently you know is this a band where that i don't want to say work ethic is in, then implies bands who don't do that don't have a work ethic but it's a different type of work ethic it's a different aesthetic are you a band that works diligently on the songs yes regularly definitely yeah, yeah this is andrew here and we in many ways, I feel like we're really blessed um, because we have come up on a living situation where we sleep and eat and breathe in a kind of musical environment. And we have a full-on music studio set up. So we have we, I'd say as a band, we rehearse at least once a week, but Vincenzo and I might just sit down and jam for a while if we're doing nothing else. Ben and Vincenzo will sit down and do the same thing and 
maybe Ben will be sitting in the studio and then I'll come in and Vincenzo will come home from work and just sit down and yeah. we'll all just start playing and it just kind of takes off and we just click record on the phone and we have just yeah tons and tons of archives of different things so it's a big commitment to like live and breathe and work the art all at the same time because you know a lot of people especially when you start getting girlfriends involved you start getting other people involved um they may not be so keen on you spending so much time doing your art and as you get older that changes go ahead it it keeps you focused down like it's um it's the first time it actually I've always, I came to the United States, one of my biggest dreams was to go live with a band. Not just because I just love music, but I love the camaraderie and the brotherhood. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> the fact that we can, whenever we have a show and we're working on something and we have a deadline, we just, it's not just once a week, we just get down to it and and really hash out the songs like in that in in the tiniest detail possible we are so what's the word for it obsessive focused <laughs> yeah focused <laughs> and, and and obsessive about it until we get it exactly yeah. the way it's supposed to be it's and if we didn't leave at the studio it wouldn't be it's easy to do that. It's somewhat rare yeah. to find a situation where everybody is so much on the same page. You know, where somebody, I mean, I, whenever I record bands, I take them out of, I try to get them away from the, the, their hometown. You know, even if it's 90 miles away or 60 miles away, because then the bass player's wife can't call up and say, hey, can you bring milk on the way home from the studio? Can you pick up some milk? We're out of milk, right? If you get everyone away and they're focused, you know, ideally sleeping at the facility, then it's, it becomes something you're doing 24-7 while you're there. And it's, you're all in. You're all involved in what you're trying to do. And I, I find the results are better that way. That's hands down the best. Because you can, when you can feel like a musician, you know, because real life is always happening. And so, you know, you say you go into practice and then practice is done and you've got a laundry list of texts that you have to go through. Right. And then maybe you have to go to the store before you get home. Then you have to go home. Then you have, to, you forgot to send this email. It's just a bunch of hoops to jump through. So if you can get away and you can be a musician, your only job is to be a musician for two weeks straight or a month straight or six weeks straight, the magic just opens up. You're opening up a can of worms. You you reach parts of your brain, parts of your consciousness that you didn't know existed because you don't have to be bothered with all the things of the world. Here's a very important question to that point. Do you turn off phones for rehearsals? Some of us. I'd say, yeah, 50% of the time. Okay. I do. That can, be, that can be a huge interruption. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you know, I've, the last band I had that was a group of people working years ago, you know, texting existed, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Like, I just did a rehearsal a few weeks ago, like a full band kind of thing. And like, during songs, like the bass player's wandering over on top of his amp and like checking text, like during songs. I'm like, dude, don't do that. No yeah. chance. You That's are awful. not here anymore when you do that. Yeah. You are... Yeah, you're elsewhere, somewhere else, else, and you yeah. need to be here. This is that's you know that's kind of like the big liability of our lives, our connected lives now, is that wherever you are, you're not there. You're everywhere. What's that Yoda thing? You know, never you are where you. <laughs> <say> you are. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> terrible Yoda, but that's that's the whole idea behind it. Yeah, I, I get in trouble a lot because I let my phone die, and I have a nine month old son, and you know I'm just completely there. And don't realize that two hours ago, I probably should have checked in. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I, it's about half and half for me. I try to be respectful to my, to my gal and 
Yeah. Let her know what's going on. You know how that is. It can be four in the morning and you don't know it's four in the morning. Right. And, and you mentioned, Jonathan, you mentioned real life a few minutes ago. Like, I want to get to another song. We've got about enough time for one more tune before we get you guys out of here. But I want you to cycle through. Tell me what, you know, what does real life look like to you? Like, you're making music. Like, are you working jobs on top of this? Are you, like, how much of your lives are spent? You know, are, are you earning money doing music? You know, I know, I know at least you, Andrew, you're in another band, at least one other band. Like, what does real life look like to you guys? Crickets. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're all, uh, you know, we're all working other jobs and finding different ways to make money and to uh, support ourselves so that we can be doing music. But the goal is definitely to get the band and ourselves in a position to where we're making money off of this band mm-hmm. so that we don't have to have those other jobs. Yeah, so what, are, what for you, like, what are you doing? Like I, I sort of do the stereotypical L.A. thing and I work in a restaurant. Okay. Yeah, a lot of that happens, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, it's pretty easy because it's kind of mindless. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of your attention, so you're still. And you can you earn know. decent money in without spending eighty hours a week at it. Right. Yeah. I have friends who are software programmers. They're trying to be in bands, but they have to be at work eighty hours a week. Yeah, exactly. It's a choice. It's a and life then choice. they go home and they get an email from their boss. Yeah. So, you know, can you do this or something? And it's like, yeah. that doesn't happen. Got to make those choices, industry. man. Andrew, how about you? Um, I don't know. It's a very interesting question, but I think. Real life is when I'm at home and doing music at this point. I think for a while I kind of thought that um, music was its kind of own odd, interesting world. And I actually just heard Moby. Um, I watched him speak at a festival and he was talking about how originally music for him was just fun and he just did it because it was fun and he never thought it was going to be anything more than that. Like It wasn't going to be a career, it wasn't anything, but obviously that changed for him and it was just like a type of therapy for him. I think for me, like playing music is I've decided like, that's, that's it for me. I don't like know what else I would be doing. And I don't know if I'd be happy if I took a different direction. Like, even if it's not happening at the moment, like I'm going to give it my all and make the best job I can doing it. You know, I don't like the restaurant job and, the marketing job I do is like the other thing that's not real life, which yeah. kind of seems flip flopped, I guess, in like a yeah, not at career. All. Not if your goal is to, is to do music, right? Yeah, you know that that's that's how you align it. It's your mm-hmm. choice to align your life however you want. You know, you have a job and you play music on the weekends or whatever, or you flip it around and you make that first thing the priority, and then other people, you know, other because people will question you, relatives, yeah. friends, society in general will question you and your choices. Why have you chosen to do that? That's crazy. Yeah, you know. But if that's what you're into, I mean, that's the choice I've made consistently my entire life. Absolutely. You know, I'm still here. I'm still and, at it. Yeah. And I mean, kind of along that note, I was just talking to John the other night and it was just kind of telling him how when I was a kid, I used to, we used to drive up to San Francisco, go to shows. And I've, you know, for lack of a better word, like saw all these shows that really just changed my life. You know, I just was zoned in and I was blown away. And like all I wanted to do was in my life, give that feeling onto other people through the music that I'm making. Like, I think yeah. that'd be just, you know, it's a dream come true. It's an incredible experience to be up there and have people singing your songs or a whole crowd dancing, yeah. you know, and you know, they just leave thinking like every time they listen to that song in their car. Now they're going to have a 
connection to it. Yeah. It's going to be really emotional for me. You know? That's the art. That's the art connection, especially with a living form of art like music. Whereas painting, you paint it. There's the painting. It's done. It's in a museum. You paint another painting. It's done. It's in a museum. Mus- music is living and live. It's yeah. new every time. Yeah. I played a show recently, and I happened to look out, and somebody was like singing my lyrics, and it was like I grinned. It's amazing. The biggest mm-hmm. grin I've had in years because I was like, oh my god. Yeah. I made that. Right. I have given that to, you know, it makes sounds kind of narcissistic, but I've, I've given that to the world. Like, that's what I had to do in terms of music. And now someone else, it's, it's a good thing for them. Like, I'm a soundtrack to their life in some capacity. And that that's achieving a goal for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Vincenzo, how about you, man? What's real uh, life look like? I also I also work in a restaurant. but um, And it's kind of interesting because... I meet the craziest people in that restaurant. It's like they're huge, uh, huge rock stars. Like the guy from The Kiss, Dave Grohl, uh, Gwen Stefani, and, and so you work at Burger King. <laughs> Popeyes. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Popeyes. <laughs> I kid. I kid. And uh, and uh, and even if uh, I'm there serving them, I I feel excited just. I grew up in a tiny town in in the middle of Sicily, and we've always seen LA and this scene on TV, and and nobody has ever had the courage of getting out of there and coming here on on their own. So for me, it's real life is this, and I've, and it, it's interesting that people say, "What's real life? What's your real job?" When you say, hey, "Yes, I'm a musician," but What's your real job, they ask you. As being a musician wasn't a real job, as you're right. writing some kind of illusion. It's as real as it gets. Like, you, like we live together in a studio and we work uh, on music. We, we go to our other jobs. We eat, we sleep. We're surrounded by... We're in music basically constantly. And, and even if we're doing something else, we're most likely thinking about music. We go yeah. out and we go see concerts and stuff. It's really as real yeah. as it gets. And I want to play in your band. <laughs> I want to have friends. I want to have friends like that. I want to do that, man. I've tried, yeah. you know, I've, I've had that so many times. I don't have it right now. Maybe again, we're working on it. Jonathan, how about you? Well, I, just, I wanted to say something about what Vincenzo just said. Have you ever had the experience where you've been in your music world for so long that when you get back into the quote unquote real world, it's, you feel like an alien or you feel so weird? I don't. I, you know, you're a musician as well. I'm the sure strangest thing for me was when I was working to answer your question. Since you flipped the interview around for a second, I was I was a professional guitar technician for a, like a major band for a while, like in Germany and Australia twice in a year, and Japan and like buses. And we never. There were some Learjet rides, but I I didn't get on the Learjet. I was actually the one time we were going to go play Letterman in New York while we were on tour. What band but was- I got I got sick. I got really, really sick, and I, they didn't want me on the little tube with them, and I don't blame them, because I didn't want to fly anywhere, so I rode the bus onto Utah instead. Um, and so that was the point at which it was the most flipped for me, because that was like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the guy making the music, but I would stand up every night in front of 10,000 people and play guitar. It wasn't my song, wasn't my band, wasn't my show, but I was still in some way achieving my dream in a way, because I'm standing up. At the place, you know, when we toured through Chicago, where I grew up, there I am on stage at the place where I saw Van Halen and Sting and ACDC and whoever else I saw. Um, there I was on that stage doing the thing. 
And it's funny how dreams can kind of come true like that a little bit. And that was yeah. when it was flipped around for me because like right. no one else had my life. Nobody, none of my friends had that life. None of my friends had the past that would get me backstage at whatever show we were at, you know, into the dressing room with the guy. And, and, it, beca- and it becomes commonplace. You're, you brush shoulders with stars. And, and like, it's funny, um, my, my gal and I were talking about this the other day how bizarre it is that this is the life we live and we don't think twice about it. Like, like you know, he's shaking hands with Dave Grohl and I'm doing interviews with the this saxophonist, Scott Page, who played with yeah, Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd. And, yeah, super cool Does he still cat. have the flat top? Yeah, he's got that cool, <laughs> crazy flat top. What a great guy, man. I really like yeah. that cat. Um, yeah, he's coming out to our show. And it just becomes reality. And and then if you step back for a minute, you realize, like you said, you're actually living the dream. Now, whether it's at the furthest point on the success scale, maybe not right now, but you are somewhere in that spectrum. We have our own studio. We have a band. We're getting amazing response from our fans and from people that see us live. We're brushing shoulders with other celebrities. It's just starting to attract you. It just gets weirder and weirder. People yeah. just show up and you're like, wait, is this happening? Like, did I just have that conversation with that person? Let's keep this, that's, that's great. Let's keep this really, really short because I want to get to that tune. We're going to oh, run yeah, out of sure. time. But how do you, like, as you get farther down that road, keep it short, but how do you ground yourself then? Because that's very important. You know, like people see, like people complain about Bruce Springsteen writing songs about what it's like to be a working man. He hasn't yeah. known what it's like to be a working man in 40 years. Yeah. You know, he definitely had that experience and he was born of that type of life. But right. how, how would, you know, how do you ground yourself now? You gotta how would get, you? You got to get into the world. You got to go for a hike. You got to go see nature. You got to meet real people. You got to keep, I, I try to surround myself with good friends that don't care whether I'm a rock star or whether I'm just my, not, that sounds weird because I say rock star myself or two different people, but you, you know what I mean. Like, you got to be around people that are real. They will, that are not afraid to call you out exactly. when you are not being real. That's yeah, yeah. the thing. Because real is what we want. That's what we have to have for the whole thing. Right. In light of that, thank you for the short answer. Let's play the last song here. What's this last one going to be? It's delayed. Yeah, this is, a, this is a brand new tune, and we're all really jazzed about it. It's a beautiful, ambient beginning into a super heavy middle part. You won't get that off the acoustic performance, but come see us live and you'll get it. It's called It's Too Late. All right, once again, we are kings and queens here on Independence Day. Rock and roll. Can't feel your eyes 
and queens here on independence day visit them at wearekingsandqueens.com facebook.com slash wearekingsandqueensmusic and of course hear them and all the rest of the artists on indepday.com and indepday.com slash itunes yes itunes we are fully itunesified apple we are part of the apple corporate overlord now uh so we just got a couple minutes left we've heard some great great music uh, please check out the web exclusive song as well it's another great track and then you've got the ep people can pick that up at itunes and all the usual places uh you were talking before about a new record you've got started to write new songs obviously that was just a new song just now um how long before we see a full-length record for from you Tough question. Um, hopefully in the next three to six months. Oh, that's quick. Yeah, well, well, we may release a single before then. Okay. But you know it takes time to, I do. to do I all do. that. I mean, in the long-term goal, is it just take it as far as it'll go? That's it. All right. We are kings and queens. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for coming out, spending time, sharing your music with us and our listeners. Uh, Benjamin Hancock, Andrew Smith, Vincenzo Moronka. I love saying your name, man. <laughs> and Jonathan Mahan on lead vocals and guitars. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for having us. us. Yeah.
So thanks ever so much to We Are Kings and Queens, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The dapper Tony Tonlo Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please, please, please be good to one another.